we have been going through a series called Honest Advent. And more than just us linking arms with some other churches in our tribe, um, the motivation behind this series is really to reflect on maybe the more real aspects of the incarnation, when God uh, became man, when the word became flesh. And so we're coming at the scriptures, we're coming at this season with fresh eyes, trying to think about, you know, what, what does Advent mean? And in turn, what does it mean for me? As, you know, as a, what are we, in the 21st century now? I don't even know. Uh, one of those centuries. But, you know, as, as somebody living in today's age, some 2,000 years after Christ walked the earth, you know, what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for you? And so our first week, we talked about vulnerability and how, how vulnerable that must have been for God to take on human form to, you know, be vulnerable to cuts and bruises, to breaking a limb, uh, you know, to, uh, to getting a cold virus or whatever they had back then, you know, um, to getting scolded at by his mom. I don't know if Mary ever did that. Uh, that's extra biblical, so don't even, don't quote me on that. But I'm, you know, but those kinds of things where he was literally subjecting himself to the slow path of salvation. He could have done it in an instant and just shown up with all the hosts of angels and said, here I am, everybody. But he chose the slow path with us. And so last week we talked about love and how really in the season of Advent, we reflect on the fact that he loved us so much. And what does love mean to us? And today, we're, we're transitioning into um, some of the more personal aspects of things. Uh, it's all been personal, really. But the topic, you can go to the next slide. For today, the title for today's message is Identity. Because, uh, as we'll see, in each of the Gospels, there's this introduction to Jesus. There's this introduction to who Jesus is is or who the authors of the Gospels claim that Jesus is to them. And so we're talking about identity and then also how that shapes us and shapes and informs our identity as well. You can go to the next slide, Richard. Um, so the passage today is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, and the big idea that we're going to be exploring together is that Jesus is the light helping us discover our identity. Jesus is the light helping us discover our identity. Um, I'd like to share a quick story about uh, a moment when I was 19 years old, freshly 19. Um, I was, uh, let's see, I think I was working a pizza job 
I, I was uh, driving, I was a delivery driver, that's the word I'm looking for. And um, I was also cleaning uh, a day school at my church um, at night. And um, I had just had my birthday, it was the middle of July. And I was really sweet on this one particular gal. And we had been, you know, hanging out together, um, traveling into downtown Portland. It was all fun. But there came this point where I had heard my friend Josh had made this determination that he was going to, uh, how he uh, defined the relationship with his uh, girlfriend and now wife all these years later, um, was that he went and saw a sunrise. And I thought, that's a good idea. So um, we, I asked Angie, hey, let's go see a sunrise. Okay. Um, and so I, I planned it all out. But the night before, I was cleaning that day school till like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I had to get up. Sunrises in the summer are early. <laughs> so <clears throat> especially up north. And so uh, what we did, uh, I mean, I think I arrived at her house at like 4.30 in the morning. I only got two and a half hours of sleep. I was tired, really tired. And my point in all of this is I had, I think by that point in my college career, I had taken a philosophy 101 class where we covered Rene Descartes, you know, I think, therefore I am kind of thing. And in that whole reflection, like, he's considering his hand and he's considering his physical body and all this, and he eventually gets to the point of, like, I think, therefore I am. And it, it was this great epiphany for him and all of philosophy. I say all of that because there I was, like 4.30, 4.40, somewhere in the morning, there at Angie's house, I show up, She's still getting ready, and so like I'm sitting on this little stoop of a stool, and I'm just like looking at my hands, and like 19-year-old me like tripping out over the fact that like, wow, my hands, <laughs> and uh, and I was just totally just out of it because I was so tired, really, really tired, and you know I wasn't on anything, believe me, but it was just like I was just like marveling at the fact that like wow, God made these hands and. Wow, how cool is that? I say all of that because although it's just a funny story, but really the reason I say that is because who I am as a person is so much more than just my body. And really it's also so much more than just the faculties of my mind. There is something deeper about myself that makes me, me, uh, at, at a soul level. And I would submit to you that that is the same for you and every human being on the earth, that we are unique and created by God with a purpose. And we have that identity at a soul level. You can go to the next slide. Next slide. Um, there's this quote by uh, Scott Erickson, the guy who wrote Honest Advent. Um, he says, quote, who we are is deeper than where we find ourselves in this moment, and Jesus illuminates that deeper identity. And so today, what we're going to be exploring is the fact that there is this deeper sense of self uh, of, at a soul level of who we are, 
We're not talking about outside influences. We're not talking about you know, physical considerations, but there is something deeper, and there's something that God has to say about that. So you can go to the next slide. All right, so some context for our passage today is that we're looking at the Gospel of John. Uh, we're not starting a Gospel of John series for now, um, but just a, a snapshot of who John was. John was a disciple of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He slept near Jesus. He followed Jesus. And uh, he was really close to Jesus. He was so close that he decided to give himself the nickname, the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> and made all the other disciples jealous. That's also extra biblical, so don't quote me on that. But anyway, so John, I mean, he was close to Jesus. He, he, he was right there, and he knew who Jesus was. And so as, and John, to my recollection, he is the only apostle, disciple apostle, who died of natural causes. I think I'm right in that. Um, he grew to an old age. And uh, so as he was starting to write some of these things down, uh, he decided, like some of the other apostles, to, uh, to write um, an account of Jesus' life as he knew it. Um, and what makes John so different from all the other gospel accounts is that he was trying to specifically communicate to non-Jewish people to your average Gentile who didn't know a hill of beans about the Old Testament, about any of that, he's not throwing all that out because he's a good Jew, but, <laughs> um, but he's just, he's wanting to communicate in a way that they could understand, that they could receive whatever it was that he was trying to communicate them, which was the good news that Jesus Christ is the Son of God He's here to save us, and you can have salvation in his name. And so, communication. And specifically in the start of John's gospel, he is really interested in telling us how Jesus came to be here on earth. Um, unlike the other gospel writers who go into great length and detail about Mary and Joseph and, you know, Jesus being a child being born, you know, that whole scene, he, he kind of starts somewhere way different, and I'm excited to share that with you. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It's a good place to start. Uh, if you'd like to follow along digitally on the screen, you are welcome to do that, or the translation you have in front of you is fine as well. In the beginning... We're going way back. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is a different John than wrote this book, by the way. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Amen. Amen? Now, I read that really slowly, not because I'm, I'm technically slow. I like to read fast sometimes and really dramatically, but the main reason is because there's some dicey sentences in there as he's trying to take this big concept and trying to whittle it on down to where we can grasp what's happening. And so you can go to the next slide. The first thing I see in, in this passage is that we, who we are, our identity, who we are is established by God's presence. So looking at verses one through five, Jesus, he uh, you know, John, he introduces Jesus as this eternal word, the Logos, who generated all of life as we know it. Because John was specifically trying to communicate to a non-Jewish audience, there was, uh, in the, the philosophy realm of things, there was this idea of, you know, the purest form of things. And so one of the reasons why John chose this word of word to describe Jesus, it, A, it's who he is, but then also because he was trying to capture the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who is the purest idea he is God, and that God made everything, and nothing was made without his influence. And not only that, but that influenced and, and illuminated all of life. 
and no darkness can overcome it. And that's so important for us to consider because Jesus, he, you know, one of the other names of Jesus or ways of describing Jesus is God with us. And so his presence redefines a situation just like light redefines a situation. Uh, last night, Angie and I, we were unloading a truckload of, of our stuff into our garage, and um, uh, it was nighttime. <laughs> and uh, so in this moving truck that we have, uh, there were some safety lights, thankfully, on the inside. But every now and then, like every half an hour, they would go off because they don't want to drain the battery. So I'd have to go out of the truck, open the door, and oh, the lights come back on again. I needed that light to see. I needed that light to find definition, to, to know my surroundings, to know which box to pass to Angie or how to do the different things. I needed light. And I would submit to you, you need light in your life. And so who we are is established by God's presence. I love, there's uh, my, I have like two or three favorite Christmas hymns. Uh, one in particular is O Holy Night. Uh, it's just, ah, oh, so much is packed into that song, uh, just like this chapter. But I love, it's, I think it's in the first verse, there's this line that says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And I wonder how oftentimes, you know, in our world, in our life, if sometimes we don't fully comprehend how much our soul is worth. Where God saw how worthy it was that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us to save that soul, to save yours and mine. It's worth his life. He put it all on the line. And he establishes that worth, yes, by his creation and the fact that he, he made it all with purpose and and you know, generativeness and all of that. He, he did all of that, and yet it, it, it's a personal thing that we experience when we, when we experience that revelation for the first time of who he is, and he appears to us as that brilliant, marvelous light in our life, the light of the gospel. And so that presence, it really establishes something about our identity, even if we didn't understand it before. And so, you know, Jesus is the light helping us discover our identity. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Um, who we are, the other thing I see is that who we are is realized by God's power and our faith. So that word for, uh, oh, let's see, it's in that, that cluster of verses there, where it says, oh, let me see. 
Uh, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That word for believe, it's the same word that's used all throughout the New Testament, uh, pistuo, um, which means faith, it means trust, it means belief in. Um, it's not just a, uh, just a mental assent or like checking off a, a, a box saying, yep, okay, got it, yep, I understand, good to go. Uh, but it's really more of a deeper personal trust kind of faith. And so that, you know, in Ephesians where it says we are uh, saved by grace through faith, that faith is the same word that's used here. And so I think it's interesting that in that whole, well, whole paragraph really, is that, it, you know, it's faith, that, that leads to the point where he gives us the right to become children of God. But then it's not our own doing, it's God's doing. I, I love there in verse 13 where it says, it's not of blood, it's not of the will of the flesh, it's not anything that a man could will of himself or like try to do of any kind of effort, it's because of faith, because of what God has done and who God is, that he is the creator. He saw us in our, our, our lost and broken state, and he has come to bring us life, to bring about that, that new life like we talked about in Isaiah 35, where there would be life in dead places. And so who we are is realized by God's power and our faith, and I wonder, I wonder how much, how often we think about that. I know for my own self, I, for the last like month and a half or so, I've just been on one track mind, get that house done <laughs> so that we can finally move in today. <laughs> and, um, Oh, man, it's been a long time coming. But, you know, even in approaching Advent, I don't think I've really considered how... that power that, that God has. Like, I do know it, and I believe it, but it's just something that I haven't considered in a while. And sometimes, you know, the reason I love seasons like Advent is because it helps us remember. It helps us to reflect, and it kind of jars our memory back um, to consider. I think there was a bump downstairs. Um, to consider these things that maybe throughout the rest of the year that we're not, not considering as much. And so, let's see. Jesus is the light helping us discover our identity and who we are is realized by God's power in our faith. I would ask you the question to consider both today and, and as we go from this place is that are you among those who have received him or are you among those who have rejected him? 
And the invitation of John is clear. Like, as long as you have breath, you know, the offer is still there. He's still shining his light. He's still saying, hey, people, I'm here. I, you know, I, I'm here. And I'm here for you. And so will you receive him or not? That's the risk of love. And so you can go to the last slide there. Who we are is illuminated by God's provision of grace. Yeah. So in verse 17, it specifically says, so, um, well, we'll back up to 16. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, so that was one revelation of God, God's righteousness, and God, you know, through the law. But then it says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So here's this new revelation that John is bringing to our attention of the incarnation. And it's a provision of how God was going to make things right. And God was going to to make the payment. He was going to do what it took for us to be saved by grace through faith. And so, with that, I don't have a lot more to say about grace uh, in this, except for that it's similar to the other point. It's not something that we earn although God counted us worthy of saving, even though, you know, but it wasn't just our, of any of our actions, it was just the fact that he loves us and that he wants us to be saved. He wants to be reunited with his children. And that grace, it, in that provision, it gives us that right and that station of being children of God. And so, as we come to the table this morning, and we prepare to receive communion together, you know, we consider these simple elements that symbolize what Jesus did on the cross for our sake. Just like John was reflecting on elements of, you know, light and dark and grace and peace and truth and all these big things, yet those are simple words but, but profound. And in this practice of remembering Jesus by, by eating the bread and drinking the cup, we, we remember the fact that he, the word did become flesh and blood, and he dwelt among us, and he lived a perfect life and went to the cross and died on our behalf, in our place, to forgive us of our sins, to pay for our sins, and then, you know, ultimately to offer us new life through the resurrection. Let's pray.